on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm your host, Ulysses E. Campbell. As always, we'll start the show with some genre-related news. Doom Patrol has been renewed for Season 3. Developed for DC's online platform, DC Universe, the show expanded to HBO Max with Season 2. Doom Patrol will be exclusively available on HBO Max for its third season. Sarah Aubrey, head of original content for HBO Max, describes Doom Patrol as having risen to the top as one of the most watched Max originals on the platform. Season 3 will premiere sometime in 2021. The National Cartoonist Society held its 74th annual Rubin Awards last weekend. The awards recognize cartooning industry professionals in a variety of categories. This year's highest honor, Cartoonist of the Year, went to Linda Barry. Ms. Barry is also a recipient of the NCS Milton Caniff Lifetime Achievement Award and a member of the Will Eisner Awards Hall of Fame. You can check out a complete list of the winners on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. It was announced earlier this week that actor Jonathan Majors has been cast in Marvel's Ant-Man 3. Although the role is undisclosed, rumors have indicated that Majors will play longtime Avengers villain Kang the Conqueror. Majors is known to genre audiences for his work on HBO's Lovecraft Country. Following a hiatus for COVID-19 quarantine precautions, filming has now resumed on Matt Reeves' The Batman in the United Kingdom, this according to a spokesperson for Warner Brothers. Production had been halted following star Robert Pattinson having tested positive for COVID-19. Pattinson has now been cleared to return to the production, and The Batman is going back to work. The Disney Plus series She-Hulk has selected its lead. Tatiana Maslany will portray Jennifer Walters, the She-Hulk. Genre audiences are familiar with Maslany from her work on Orphan Black. And earlier this week, director Kat Carrero was announced as director for the pilot, as well as executive producer on She-Hulk. More details as they become available. An anniversary this week is September 15th, marked 55 years since the network television debut of Irwin Allen's Lost in Space. Although it ran only three seasons, the show, featuring a family that became marooned on an uncharted planet, became a cult classic that spawned a feature film and several rebooted television projects. The new trailer for Season 2 of the Star Wars spin-off The Mandalorian dropped earlier this week. You can check out the trailer on one of the Fantastic Forum social media platforms. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, or like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. The Mandalorian returns to Disney Plus on October 30th. We're talking about all that and more today. It's time to introduce the panel. Joining me are Drew Bittner, 
Roberto Ortiz and Emily Witten. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hello. Hello. Thanks for for everything, Yuli. Oh, hey, please. Thank you all for being on. I would be terribly remiss if I didn't offer congratulations to Emily Witten because Emily is a nominee for the Ringo Awards for her wonderful comic book, The Underfoot. Congratulations, Emily. Well deserved. Thank you, Yuli. Thank you. Yes, The Underfoot, The Mighty Deep, our first volume in the series, is nominated for Best Kids Comic or Graphic Novel. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask any comics professionals listening to please vote for us before September 23rd at RingoAwards.com. There you go. There you go. (laughs) We got to get that plug in. You know, the only thing that surprised me about that, M, was that they were going to classify this as being for kids. Because that, I mean, it, it, it's it, children could enjoy it, but it ain't necessarily for kids. <laughs> it lost I mean, that line. I, I'm one of those people, and maybe we'll talk about this more later, who believes that kids can read a bunch of different stuff. And uh, so it's it's marketed as a middle grade, like 8 to 12. I was gonna, but honestly, it's it's got a lot in it. <laughs> I had been thinking more YA, but in any case, no, absolutely. Congratulations to you and your uh, collaborators because the recognition is really wonderful and yes. uh, as as uh, Roberto said very well deserved. Well, I, I one more thing I would like to say thank you. I was floored and I would like to say our my collaborators Ben Fisher my co-writer and co-creator, Michelle Wen our artist, Tom Zoller our letterer, um, Eric Orchard who does the maps, Adrian Recker who does the plots and of course our wonderful editor Grace Bornhoft and previous editor um, Andrea Colvin over at Lion Forge. Um, although now the books are coming out, starting with the next one uh, in April of this coming year, will be at Oni Press. But yeah, everybody on the team deserves uh, congratulations for the nomination, and I was so stunned and pleased that we were nominated. Bravo, bravo! I love hey, how Emily. you name everybody. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hey, look. Uh, before we do anything else, um, I because uh, last week we had Keith Knight on the show talking about. Uh, his new show, Woke, on Hulu. Wow. And we didn't get the opportunity to talk about... Um, uh, there, was a, uh, there was a death, and uh, it was Dame Diana Rigg. And uh, so, like I said, we, we had actually recorded that show prior to her passing. But uh, I wanted to absolutely give Diana Rigg a couple of minutes here, because I remember her from uh, that show with uh, uh, Patrick McNee, The Avengers... Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a British a British spy drama action series, and uh, and she now the show had been on with Patrick McNee, and um, you know with the, it started out there was a guy who was on I don't remember his name but then um, he was actually on with uh, Pussy Galore herself Honor Blackman yeah. uh, on the show as Kathy Gale, and then Kathy Gale gave way to Emma Peel, uh, who of course was Diana Rigg, and the show that's when the show really hit its stride in terms of overall popularity. And uh, and then, of course, uh, I remember her from On Her Majesty's Secret Service, where she played Tracy uh, Draco. And, uh, you know, of course, modern audiences knew her as uh, from um, HBO's Game of Thrones mm-hmm. as, uh, 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 was it, uh, Terrell, Oleana, what was the character's name? It was uh, Oleana Terrell or, yeah. uh, anyway. Yes, yeah, the from House Terrell. Terrell matriarch or, uh, yeah. The Queen of Thorns, I believe, is the title. Yes, yes. Oh, there you go. Deadly, yeah. Anyway, though, but I thought that, uh, you know, each of us might like to talk a little bit about 
the great Diana Rigg and her wonderful career? Um, well, I think one of the most interesting things to me is that um, Diana Rigg in um, in the I believe it was the in the Avengers was the inspiration for the look of the Hellfire Club's Black Queen in X Men. The, um, the storyline. Absolutely, that she absolutely was. And yeah. you can, you can. In fact, it was. Yeah. Um, what was? Because that group, it it was it was either something close to the Hellfire Club, or I can't remember the name oh, of that group in that show. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. They totally ripped them off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we know mercy. I think, I think even the name. I think the, episode, right I think the episode was a touch of brimstone. Yeah. So. I just uh, I thought I'd add that I really appreciate that, you know, her earlier work was in the theater and the Royal Shakespeare Company and a bunch of different theatrical productions. And I just always get a kick out of it when people who are, you know, classically trained doing, you know, Shakespeare and Tennessee Williams and things like that, then move into uh, the more like action and sci-fi and fantasy genres because... It, you know, it's just a reminder that these aren't separate, weird little things that only certain people are into. It's like big names who have these talents in the classical sense are being, you know, are pegged to, to do the different roles like in things like The Avengers or in Game of Thrones, etc. So and, and in the Bond movies and everything. So I just really enjoy that, like the Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen and Diana Rigg and, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So. I think that was great that she had such a wide-ranging career. Yeah. Oh, indeed. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, Diana Rigg uh, passed away September 10th, and uh, her she will live on in her remarkable work and yes, in the minds good. and hearts of everybody who was a fan. All right. So, um, something else that happened, uh, at least in this week, Doom Patrol. Renewed for its third yes. season, well, and of course, yeah, oh, developed so for. Um, yeah, you know that's a very entertaining show. Even though, I mean, similar to the original Doom Patrol comic books, in that the stuff is really weird. But uh, some of the stuff they've done in terms of the direction they're taking it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm and happy it's so as creative. Anybody. It's so I mean, I know it's based on the comics and everything, but it's so creatively portrayed and and interwoven. I really it surprises me, and not a lot of shows really surprise me these days. So I really mm. like that. I think mm. basically the idea is that they got what a Grant Morrison comic book is about, without ripping off a Grant Morrison comic book. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but they got the the fact that it's supposed to be weird. Mm -hmm. but not off-putting mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be charming at the same time and somehow right, yeah cool. so i yep. think i'm very impressed basically that they were able to walk that tightrope and basically create characters that are compelling and it's well deserved i think and hopefully other uh side characters from dc comics can make the jump to uh like the challengers of the unknown and characters like that can make mm. the into HBO max and, the atomic yeah, and nights. I, yeah. I really I also about Doom Patrol, I really appreciate that they will explore trauma without having to turn every trauma into something that is horrifying all the time. Like you take something like Watchmen and it's just brutal, and then you take Doom Patrol and the things that have happened are could be just as brutal, 
but the way they deal with it and it's, it includes an exploration of how the mind works for instance you know with jane and everybody and it's just very interesting how they're looking at the functions of you know how how do people work in the psychological sense in a in a non always negative way i like that and actually one thing that you could add to that is that it's a good show for 2020 it's like the characters are experiencing all these weird things and you're going through 2020 saying i get it (laughs) i want to throw in the wrench and i might have mentioned this last time we talked about doom patrol because i just really appreciate it that grant morrison at least uh i don't know if he ripped off but was inspired by a book published in 1987 called when rabbit howls that uh was a supposed autobiography about trudy chase's experiences with dissociative identity disorder and i read that book as like a teen and so years later, watching those first episodes of Doom Patrol, I was like, Crazy Jane, that's where that comes from. But, you know, <laughs> so we all get our inspirations from different things. But, uh, yeah, I, I find that fascinating that it was, it was enough of an inspiration that I was able to recognize the book uh, that wow. inspired it just in that, those first episodes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but, he, for- but he, uh, he, you know, he said he, he was reading the book at the time. It's not like he tried to hide it or anything. Well, I always appreciate when somebody gives credit where it's due. Hey, Drew, you've been pretty quiet on this. What do you got to say about it? I hate the Doom Patrol. (laughs) 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 No, no, no. What's what's actually kind of cool for me is I I met Arnold Drake a couple of times. And uh, he was was delightful. He was this older guy. And, you know, we, we shot the breeze about all kinds of gossip and everything. And... You know the backstory behind the the cancellation of the original series, and um, you know Neil Adams on Dead Man, and a couple of other things. And um, so I've I've liked Doom Patrol for a very long time. Um, I did not catch Coverberg's relaunch of the series in the '70s, but I did catch Morrison's in the '80s, and and thought that was wonderful. And um, you know thought it's it's great that he was able to take a team that really nobody had an idea of what to really do with and just made it so gonzo and so great. And the, and the TV show, the TV show really captures that. I mean, really the first season was just sort of kitchen sink Morris and it was like everything was thrown in there. Mm. And so I, I didn't, I didn't really know where they were going to go with the second season, except that they did it. They've done a really great job. So, so I'm glad on the one hand, I'm glad that it's going to continue. On the other hand, I'm really annoyed because now I might have to pick up HBO Max. So. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, hey, look, inquiring minds want to know, what did Arnold Drake say about the cancellation of the original series? Uh, basically that he was in an argument with the editor and that, um, you know, he, he, was, he was essentially written out of the last, of the last issue because the last issue ends with, you know, the editor, the, the last panel is the editor and the artist saying, is that it? We're going to really kill off the Doom Patrol? I said, well, if the readers don't want to read them, we, there's not much we can do. So it's up to you, readers. And, and that was supposed to be Drake and Bruno Premiani, the artist. But um, mm-hmm. I think the, the editor was penciled in at the last minute because, you know, there were there were issues. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Drake was Drake was really gracious about it. He said, you know, it was just one of those things. It was just, it's a business. People disagree, and and issues crop up. He said, "But but the fact of the matter is, you're not you're not you're not making an awful lot of money, and there's there's better ways to make a living." And so I decided that I wanted to do something something else. So it worked it worked out for everybody. 
Mm. Okay. So, All right. Well, philosophical huh? mindset. Very. <laughs> it's best to be emotionally healthy if you're going to wait you but you already know this <laughs> you're going to work oh, in comics yeah. doesn't mean i practice it all the time but i know it. <laughs> well i i all i can say is i have run into a lot of people who are way 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 less emotionally healthy than you are so <laughs> well, well you're living washington dc of course you know people like that no no no, no. i meant i meant working in comics yeah, that, <laughs> like, yeah. there's a lot of people that's, in yeah. comics who well anyway <laughs> yeah they're 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 pretty twisted yeah you're listening to fantastic forum on wera 96.7 fm radio arlington and streaming on WERA.FM. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Emily Witten, Roberto Ortiz, and Drew Bittner. And uh, I was just getting ready to mention that uh, it was announced earlier this week that actor Jonathan Majors has been cast in Marvel's Ant-Man 3. And uh, we don't know exactly who he's playing. In fact, if you've seen the Five Bloods, uh, then you know Jonathan Majors. If you've seen Lovecraft Country, which is currently running on HBO, uh, you've seen Jonathan Majors. But uh, the rumors say that he's going to play a major villain, uh, possibly longtime Avengers villain, Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. Uh, the Big time cool. traveler. Yeah. What do, ha, ha, name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kang actually had been my favorite Avengers villain, uh, mainly because they, they trotted him out, particularly during Steve Englehart's run on the book. Englehart loved Kang, and uh, <laughs> Kang was mixing it up with uh, the assemblers quite a bit. But I was wondering uh, what you guys thought about this. Don't everybody talk at once. Oh, he, would man. <laughs> he would have been a great Mr. Terrific, but Marvel got there first. So, so there's that. <laughs> I mean, I unfortunately I haven't had a chance to see Lovecraft uh, Country yet. It's on my really? list. It is. I know it is super yeah, on my really? list. Hey, we've been watching Cobra Kai, okay, which is so much fun. <laughs> it's so frustrating, but um, but yeah, no, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, so I'm not as familiar with his work. But I will say, Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp were real favorites of mine for the fun, heisty kind of way that they did things. The smaller world, the characters really. You know, it ha, ha, the smaller world. <laughs> ha ha ha! Yes, indeed. <laughs> I see what um, you did there. <laughs> I love it when people catch it. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see a third Ant-Man and or Ant-Man and the Wasp movie. So I, I unfortunately can't speak a whole lot to his acting as yet, but I'm, I'm interested. I'm looking forward to it. So. I, I, think, I think it'll be really good. I mean, I've, I've really liked his work on Lovecraft Country. Um, I think he's got you know, great physical presence. I think he's the kind of guy that re could really be that that character. And I'm I'm very excited about this. I think that you know it's it's kind of exciting to see the possible you know introduction of a character as important as Kang coming up so soon in something so you know that's so definite. So um, I'm all for it. I, I I look forward to this tremendously. And um, you know, I'm looking forward to the end of Lovecraft Country because I've I've been enjoying that too. The the one this week was just 
Man, that was body horror. <laughs> yeah. You know, we we could, uh, but that that's a whole nother show, though. Uh, yes, talking about is. Lovecraft. Country. And I'll yeah. watch the show first, then we can all talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there I, you I go. really doubt you'll be able to binge it because it's the first episode is really rough. And oh gosh, it's, and it's not why it's not because of the reason you're thinking. Hmm, it's just okay. that it's like the the human horrors are worse than the the, the monster horrors. Yep. And yeah, yeah. the tension you feel is so strong that after that episode, you're going to say, okay, I need a break. <laughs> really. You know what? I have I, been warned, but I want to watch it. I've heard I've heard people liking it, and you know now actually you're telling me this. It makes me want to see it, even though I'm sure I'll Emily, take let me break. put it to you this way. Remember the first episode of Watchmen? Oh, uh, yeah. It changed the you discourse. Know, look, look, before we... before we just about to we, say, is it like before, Watchmen? Yeah. Before we go down the rabbit hole on that, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, yes. But the point is, Jonathan Majors is in it. (laughs) He plays a starring role. Now, now, here's here's my thing with this. And uh, we're still, we're we're at least a couple of uh, weeks away from this. And so um, I, I feel pretty comfortable saying this to you. I was disappointed when I saw that Jonathan Majors had been cast in this role. Because I was interested in seeing him be the new T'Challa. I thought, you know what? This guy could actually take over that part. And, I mean, he's got the physicality. He's a tremendous actor. And I I just, I thought he probably could have done a better than passing job stepping into those shoes. And now, now we won't have the chance to see that. It's I not gonna happen. They're basically that. gonna go with uh with his sister. That's that's the decision Marvel made, uh, from what I've been hearing from different uh, with, Oh with Shuri, because I love yeah. her character so much. But you know, I I hope I hope that they look at doing something else because I can understand how and this is why I said it's it's been a couple of weeks I felt comfortable saying this. You know, in the aftermath of Chadwick Bozeman's death, untimely death. So um, yeah, so uh, there there was such an outpouring of grief, and everybody was united in that. And you know, so uh, one of the things that has happened, and um, you know, was talking a little bit about this uh, immediately after his death uh, on the show with um, Shireen and with uh, Julian Lytle. Uh, on, in fact, Drew, you were on that show, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yes. All right. So you remember we were talking about all of that. And what I was saying was that the, char- the, the these these characters, they're all with you talking about DC Marvel. They are modern mythology and they're all larger than life. And regrettably, what has happened uh, now because of the success of these films, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is seen as Iron Man. And Chris Evans is seen as Captain America. And audiences cannot envision any other performers in those roles. And one of the things that I said was, you know, looking at Kirk Allen and Bud Collier and George Reeves and Chris Reeves and, you know, various other guys who have played the Man of Steel, you know, simply because the DC characters have been around longer, uh, you, you, you don't have these individual performers who are as easily identified 
with the roles, you know, maybe at one time, you know, because there was a point where nobody else could see anybody but George Reeves as Superman. He played the role so long. And, you know, then the tragedy with Chris Reeve, you know, his accident, you know, but he had put his mark on the Man of Steel. But like I said, the characters are bigger than that. And I would hate to see them write T'Challa out because this young man died. You know, we still need the adventures of the Black Panther. And um, I would just, I would like to see them recast the role. I don't think that it uh, is, is, is disrespectful to Chadwick Boseman. In fact, I dare say Chadwick Boseman would want them to recast the role. So you know, the audiences Yuli, could continue to enjoy that I have a question for you about that because mm-hmm. I think well, it would well, be... Wait, wait, uh, uh, yeah. Emily, hold that thought because... Okay. That musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. WERA is a community radio station, which, among other things, means that it's non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, our sponsors, and listeners like you for the continued existence of the radio station. Make it your business today to visit the website at WERA.FM. Find out how you can support this wonderful institution of community radio and its tax deductible. Look, uh, we, we are not by any means done, and Emily has something she wants to say, so don't touch that dial. We are going to step aside for a couple of moments for some uh, announcements uh, about uh, what's coming up later tonight and uh, other wonderful things but we'll be back with more fantastic forum right after this and welcome back to fantastic forum on wera 96.7 fm we are arlington i'm ulysses e campbell i'm joined today by roberto ortiz Emily Witten and Drew Bittner, and we are talking about, uh, well, we were talking about Jonathan Majors, uh, who currently audiences are enjoying in HBO's Lovecraft Country. It was announced last week that he had been cast in a major role in Marvel's Ant-Man 3, and uh, we were sort of talking about the various uh, permutations of that and roles that are not available for Jonathan Majors to take, uh, but Emily was about to make a point. Well, I just had a question, or a thought, rather, because I have no objection to them recasting the role of Black Panther if that is something that will serve the Marvel storyline, the Cinematic Universe storyline. And I, I agree with you. I don't know that Chadwick Boseman would have, you know, I can't speak for someone who's no longer with us, and it's very sad, but I don't know that he would have had any objection to it. But I think the idea of possibly bringing Shuri, his sister, into the role of Black Panther is a really uh, unique way to go about um, challenging what the role is in the way that T'Challa challenged his father's way of doing it. And so I, I could see a world where it would be really interesting to see her take on what it means to be the Black Panther, especially coming from the role of technology that she you know, looks at and how her views on the traditions of the role might differ from how her brother was raised, how her father looked at it, you know. So I just think, I, I, I was just thinking about that and I think it could be fascinating to do that. So I guess my question was, uh, you know, why not do something like that if that also would serve the story? Because I think it might be 
in a way, a more interesting story at this point, you know? And actually, think about it this way. What was the name of the character who fought Atakawa for to become Black Panther? Oh, M'Baku? Yes. Imagine if he's the one who sponsors Suri. That would be interesting, too. I mean, he would be, you know, dynamic. I think... If he's the one who says, no, I'm not going to do this, she should be Black Panther. And it would be, boom. In terms of how, for a society that basically doesn't believe that Black Panther should be a woman, having this guy say, no, I'm... Well, they be... don't They don't necessarily believe that the Black Panther shouldn't be a woman. And as it's been pointed out, Shuri actually did assume the mantle of Black Panther in the comic books. Um, mm -hmm. I, the, the only... I, I, I would have honestly no objection to that. I mean, setting aside for a moment that the Shuri... Because the Shuri in the comic books was very different from the Shuri in the movies. And the Shuri in the movies is, no, she is not prepared to assume that role. I mean, Wouldn't that be interesting? That would be so interesting. Exactly. That's she's, actually not prepared <laughs> to assume that role. Uh, <laughs> that's I mean, she's what just, the story she's, goes She's not a fighter. That's but the story. Wait, wait, wait. I'll speak up on Yuli's side here. Um... Let's let's look at let's look at it maybe this way. If say Josh Brolin had died before Endgame was finished, or Chris Evans had passed away, you know, before Civil War had been made, there's really very little doubt that Marvel would have gone ahead and recast those roles because they were part of the the stories that they really wanted to tell. They were building up to but you, you just dug yourself into a hole because Chris Evans as Captain America, that mantle has been passed to someone who's already in the comics movie universe. So, I mean... Yeah, but they've also <laughs> they've also essentially told that story. And I'm That's not fair. a fan. I Honestly, I'm not a fan of that either. I mean, I, I would like to see them. I mean, like I said, to me, these characters are larger than the actors who play them. I would love to see all of those roles recast if it means that we can continue to enjoy those characters. Now, all that, all that, wait, 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 hold on. All of that having been said, let me just say that I think that making Shuri the Black Panther would be a very fascinating story twist. And mm -hmm. it, it, it certainly could be done. Now, my only caveat is let's say they wanted to do, because, I mean, T'Challa was still alive, he had just moved on from the role of being the ceremonial Black Panther and the leader of Wakanda. So as long as that character is still alive, it's they're not saying, oh, somebody killed him and we need a new Black Panther. I mean, he decides to take a sabbatical or, you know, he's just missing or whatever, then that's fine. I just don't want to see them say, because Chadwick Boseman died, oh, the Black Panther is dead. And we need to do something else. Oh, that's I see. That's, I, I think that's the distinction I wasn't catching before from what uh, you were thinking of. But, you know, honestly, if they recast him, if they give the role to Shuri, I, I would be I would be interested no matter what the story is. I won't have any objections if they recast him either. You know, I think it'll be uh, I'm sure they'll do it justice. And actually, I believe this call came from Disney. Uh, it's which is fascinating. But uh, from what I heard, the decision was made basically to go with it's it's amazingly how quickly they made the decision yeah they they didn't need to make it as quickly as they did you know it's and it's unfortunate if that is the case and i understand well, now they may have known they may have known even if the general public uh, i don't think they did no <laughs> from okay every, from I, everything I, I hear things. from everything i hear 
his circle of people was tight and yeah. apparently yeah. even, even Kevin Feige didn't know. Because oh, and it's, wow. and honestly, it's hard to imagine that they would have gone ahead and cast him if they'd have known that he was stage three colon cancer. How did you know? get that secret? Seriously, that's mind blowing. That this well, it, apparently even Ryan Coogler didn't know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, nobody uh, yeah. knew. Nobody knew except like his closest friends and family. But are you supposed to keep a secret? Well, are you supposed to get a physical to get insurance for the movie? I mean, you know, a lot of the time that's a formality. Oh, they won't so, be anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it would. Hey, if anybody is even able to get insurance to be able to get a completion bond, what yeah. with COVID nineteen. In oh, fact, yeah. it's funny. I was I've been hearing oh, a lot of scuttlebutt about this, and I just read an article today in Variety about this, about yeah. how uh, you know now. It's it and in fact there's a whole new industry that is beginning to spring up uh, to step into this gap and try and provide coverage and you've got some filmmakers particularly small indie filmmakers who are just saying you know what I'm gonna take a chance and oh, try no. and get this movie in the can with no insurance. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Not a good idea. Get brave. Well, you know, that's why they call it insurance. That's why they have <laughs> so, lawyers, too. Yeah. It's a shame, yeah. Hey, but something else that happened. Uh, we have seen the new trailer for season two of The Mandalorian. Never heard yeah. of everybody's... <laughs> 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 have, have you guys had a chance to actually look at that? I did, yes. Yeah. Are we excited about The Mandalorian returning yeah. on October 30th? <laughs> I mean, look, I am excited by any show in which I get to watch more adorable child slash baby Yoda. <laughs> but also, the trailer actually does look pretty cool. And uh, although I did see his, uh, his ship go by, and I had to do a double take, because this is the very beginning of the trailer, the ship goes by, and for a minute I thought it was Serenity, the Firefly class mm. ship from Firefly, uh, because it's got those two burner, you know, engines on yeah. the side. From the and back, yeah. it does look very from the similar. Back, yeah, I was yeah. like, wait, are they going to get in trouble from this? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I really thought the first season was fun. I don't, I will be honest and say it doesn't speak to me on a gut level outside of the adorableness of the baby. Like, <laughs> I like the lone wolf and cub feel of it. I enjoy the show Thank a lot. You. It's not like I uh, will you know, remember every single thing that happened in every episode, probably. But I think it'll be a fun second season, and I like the uh, dedication that Mando has to the, you know, the, the little child and, and his quest. And the, the new quest is very interesting, and that actually could lead to stuff that will be more, like, cement my interest in, you know, where it's going as a whole story as opposed to just the very thin, fo narrow focus that they've got, so... Yuli, uh, I, I had like a, an epiphany watching the trailer, which is weird. It's like I just saw the Dune trailer, and I was thinking this is fantastic. And I kept thinking, okay, what's the diff what makes Star Wars unique from Dune, Star Trek? And then I watched the trailer, and it made me realize something that John Favreau gets and Dave Filoni, which is that Star Wars is a universe. When we see Star Trek, we see the captains and we see basically people who are larger than life. When we see Dune, we see royalty fighting each other to kill it. When we say it's Game of Thrones, it's the same thing. 
Star Wars, specifically the Star Wars I'm seeing from John Fabio, we're seeing the universe from the bottom up, the normal fellow, basically hmm. exploring the universe. You can honestly say, I can see myself in this universe because that I could be him. And if it, it, the grit, I love the grittiness I saw in the trailer, where I felt the world look a place I could explore. It looked lived in, and the characters felt like um, what I was not seeing. And that might change, of course, but I was not seeing basically, you know, the chosen one or something like that. I was seeing a person trying to raise a child while being hunted, <laughs> hmm. and I can relate to that. Does that make sense? <laughs> You're making me have some very serious questions about what goes on in your house, Roberto. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Trying like, to raise a child while being hunted. While being hunted. <laughs> no, but tell your wife. Your and how much is it? I'm just asking. <laughs> I like the fact that, for example, in the previous season, they made a point on how difficult it was for him to find childcare. That's Sounds silly, but for somebody that's, that's, no, that's fair. That's fair. Oh yeah. Children is like, yeah. Somebody who wrote who wrote this has a kid and gets it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing, uh, and because uh, I have to confess, you and I were talking a little bit about this earlier, and uh, you were the one who was telling me that uh, they are going to do season three and four back to back because yeah, of the COVID emergency. Yeah, and ah. uh, basically sequester everybody. And uh, and shoot two seasons at once, uh, so it's not to be jammed up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hey, um, you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA ninety six point seven FM and streaming on WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner, Roberto Ortiz, and Emily Witten. And we've been talking about a whole bunch of stuff that has gone on over the past week or so. We're almost out of time. But before we got out of here, this is just something that I've had in the back of my mind. I thought it would be fun. I'm curious about each of you in terms of your particular fandom. And because God knows we're all crazy, geeky, strange and fanish people. And I'm wondering what it is if you can remember or what 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 single thing or maybe what two or three things but what is it that attracted you to these to these worlds to this thing that has so influenced your life and uh, emily because i know you've only got one thing we'll ask you first uh-huh, you, you try so hard you try i'll tell you i he uh, Yuli posed this question to all of us earlier and i'm really struggling to just define it down but i'll give you a few um my sister i had knew you some, would yeah you know me my <laughs> sister my oldest sister who's 11 years older than me um she had some old archie digests and some richie rich and lil lottie and those are the first comics i ever read and then I didn't really read more comics until I was in law school and got into Deadpool because we didn't have them and I didn't know where to get them. But in the interim, I grew up with the X-Men animated series and the Batman animated series and all of that. So in the comics world, I would say that Archie and X-Men and Batman really got me started in that. But I think really the thing is, look, my mom is a now-retired English teacher. My two sisters ahead of me both like to read. My dad is a professor, was a professor, now retired. 
And uh, there were books all over the house, just tons of different kinds of books. And one of the things I remember is that my mom would have to go in before the school year started and count up how many books were in the storage rooms at the school because she had to assign books for reading and see if she needed to order more books. And while we were there, I found this book called The Wicked Day by Mary Stewart. And it's a book in an Arthurian King Arthur series of books. And it's basically almost the end of the King Arthur story. So it's the fourth book in the series, but it was the one that my mom sometimes taught in British literature. So I read this book. Now this is a book being taught in school, but it's also a fantasy fiction book because it's about the Arthurian legends. And it's about magic and it's about like all of the, you know, knights of old. That is how I got into King Arthur, which led me into things like Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, which has both the social commentary satire level and the real like, you know, oh, he wakes up in another time period and, and everything is crazy, you know, kind of thing. Science and fantasy at the same time. And then the Mists of Avalon, which, of course, at the time we didn't know the writer was problematic and all of that. And at the same time. We had Ray Bradbury. My mom sometimes taught Fahrenheit 451. I had the Martian Chronicles, the Illustrated Man. We learned Kurt Vonnegut. You know, we read a lot of these in school, which was fortunate because, I mean, maybe some people don't. We read The Hobbit in school, though I didn't enjoy it that much, to be honest. Um, so, so really the thing is, is that I got started by picking up stuff around the house, reading it in school, you know, and, and then sometimes it was the TV stuff, X-Men, Batman, and then I loved Quantum Leap. I was obsessed with Quantum Leap. I'm still obsessed with Quantum Leap. Scott Bakula, you're one of the people I would love to meet. Um, but so that, you know, I mean, I really think it's so hard to pin it down. I was always in this world, but here's the most important thing about all of that. I didn't know that any of this was a separate world. It was just part of creative fiction, creative things, historical things, legends, etc., that I like to consume and that spurred my imagination. And that is really important to me because that's the kind of stuff I like to write and I like to read. And I like a community that doesn't delineate so much between what genre it is and more looks at, is it a good story? Is it enjoyable? Does it spark your imagination? So that's hmm. my answer. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. Drew, what about you? You've been awful quiet for a long time. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I would say earliest influences, probably the earliest one I, I can remember was probably um, Lost in Space. And um, I was a big fan of the robot. I thought it was awesome. And uh, that follows up with Dark Shadows that I watched every day, you know, even before I went to kindergarten and Star Trek and then Batman and all these things were on TV and I just absorbed them all and got really, really into them. And then I got into comic books. And then when we moved from Wisconsin to New Jersey, I got into Dungeons and Dragons and ah. kind of spiraled from there. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where those, those early influences can, will, will shape your life and obviously it shaped mine. So, you know, but, but yeah, I would, I would definitely go back to things like, um, Lost in Space, Dark Shadows, Star Trek, um, maybe that book, The Enormous Egg, which was a great dinosaur book that spurred my interest in dinosaurs for a long time. So, so yeah, all of it. I mean, it all goes, it all goes in. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Roberto, what about you? Easy. Lost in Space, Star Trek, that Star Trek in a huge way. 
Uh, in terms of films, of course, Star Wars, I saw in the movie theaters in '77, uh, it blew my mind away. Uh, in terms of comic books, easy again. Uh, sadly, the one of the first comic books I got into was Crisis of the Infinite Earths, and that caused damage. <laughs> so then uh, after that I shortly followed with uh, John Byrne with uh, I fell in love with the artwork of uh, George Perez and then uh, John Byrne too bad he's a jerk but he's a talented jerk and I, I I loved his version of Superman that for me is the definite version of Superman why not and Wonder Woman of course by George Perez then, um, in terms of uh, books, uh, Stephen King, of course, I, I have an altar of Stephen King in my home that I'm concerned if something happens to Stephen King, they'll come to my house and say, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's that bored. And um, in terms of anime, uh, I was telling this to Yuli. Uh, there's a movie that I worship so much. I have a, a framed image still the much behind me right now which is Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. And it's an anime movie that it damaged me for life because it showed me the person I should be. It's really that influential in my life. And if you haven't seen it, it's on HBO Max. Look it up. I'm doing you a favor. He will change you. It's a movie. It's by Hayao Miyazaki. And the movie everybody talks about is Spirit of the Way. And for me, Spirit of the Way is good. For me, his master opus is Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. Because it's about, it has a strong environmental message. It has a strong message about uh, why war is ugly. And he has a, a character who is the Princess Nausicaa, who is a hardcore pacifist. And is one of the most badass pacifists you're ever going to see in your life. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, it, what, it's like, how can you write a character who's a pacifist? And let me put it this way. Her ship, which is called the Maeve, which is called, it's, uh, it's German for uh, for seagull, doesn't have any guns. And basically the whole point of her is trying to defuse situations. Oh, these two kingdoms are trying to destroy her little kingdom. And they're at war with each other and she tries to bring peace to everybody. And on top of that, She's trying to prevent an environmental disaster. This is all happening. It's amazing, the movie. And I'm stoned. What's, what's the title of this again, Roberto? Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. It's Nausicaa amazing. and the Valley of the Wind. It's the movie Migasaki did right at the beginning of Studio Gilby. And seriously, it's amazing. It's in the ending you will be in tears in terms of you will not believe the ending of this movie. I, I was gasping when I saw it. It's that good. Seriously. I'll have to check it out. Nausicaa. Thank, Emily, do me a favor. If you see it, I am me because I want to hear your reaction. Okay. Which which service is it on? You said it was on uh, Prime uh, now or no? Gilby, Gilby, I believe all the Gilby movies on HBO Max, right? You. Uh, oh, we have it. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. I believe uh, all the Gilby movies, and that's one of the movies they got. Excellent. And, I'll have to check that out. Shout out to cool. Howl's Moving Castle, another great Ghibli film, based on a fantasy book that I read when I was a kid. <laughs> Diana yes. Wynne and it's If you like Howl, yeah. it, it's kind of like, it's 
it has more deeper topics in, than how. Okay. Because it's like imagine if the lead from how was more active in the story. Okay, cool. I'll have to check it out for sure. Yeah, Howl was a great movie, but it was also an adaptation of the Diana Wynne Jones story, which was much deeper. So I have to say that Diana Wynne Jones was another influence in her stories, like the Chronicles of Crestomancy were very good. And actually, I remember watching that movie and gasping in a couple of scenes where it's like, when I realized, oh my God, she's not old. She actually is holding her head and, mm -hmm. and can be young. I was like, what the heck? And this is it was very cool, yeah. But here's the, the sad thing. That was the first anime I ever saw. Why so, is that sad? Because <laughs> I assume, imagine you basically picking one of the best books ever. Ah. Reading it for the first time and thinking, oh, all books are like you, this. Yeah, like all of them are going to be this good. And then you're like, mm. oh, but they're not. It's all downhill like from here. It's <laughs> yeah. like if you yeah. read Ray Bradbury and then you read Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Or something. Oh, oh, yeah. But by the way, I have to, I have to say, all of this talk. Now I got a name drop. Superman, the original movies, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Thundercats, oh, the Rats of Nim. Sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm never, I'm never gonna finish. Yeah. You know, some sometimes I forget how young some of you all are. Um, so, so no, you're talking about stuff from like the early '80s. You know, I'm like, yeah, oh when my I was god. Born. <laughs> well, exactly. I've read stuff that was much older than either of us, Yuli. I've I've read stuff that's older than either of us. So you know. <laughs> my my comic book. My okay, fine. The Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger and the Green Hornet. The Green Hornet's a radio show. Okay. Are you feeling better now? Not really. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Drew. What were you saying? I was gonna say my my comic book influences go back to the early '70s. I was reading, you know, Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and Superman and Batman, you know, back when I was, you know, my my daughter's age. So you know, that was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But so you know, well, now. but yeah, but you were kind of into. All right, see, he, here's the thing. So with me, and you know, I, I had a little time to think about it. I mean, and this is between like three to seven let's say because yeah. that that's where it really got cemented uh it was cartoons initially um there was a show it was one of the in fact i believe it was the first anime to reach the american shores it's called gigantor um uh, mm. tetsujin 28 uh, i believe was the japanese name of it it had been a manga and uh, then became an anime but yeah young jimmy sparks with his giant robot and uh, I, you know, I mean, it, it was, an, I, I had never seen anything like that. Well, I hadn't seen anything, but that was just such a fantastical story. And I loved it. And I parked myself in front of the television uh, every afternoon and uh, WPIX Channel 11 in New York. And I'm watching this show. And then uh, Speed Racer came out. And ah. I remember, you know, because it was the Mach 5. And I remember being four years old watching it, and then I was five, like the Mach Five, you know, which is really cool. And Aww. and and those stories were so, I mean, very sophisticated for, uh, well, for American television, uh, you know, because American cartoons were nothing like that. I mean, I and I'm 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 reminded of uh, a particular episode where uh, the characters had to use it, the engine was so fast in this car the the test drivers had to use a performance enhancer to to heighten their reflexes to be able to drive the car or they'd be killed because they just couldn't react fast enough i mean and here i was five years old watching this thing like oh my goodness the other things um when i was uh in second grade 
Uh, I read Jules Verne, 20,000 Leagues Under yeah. the Sea. I liked that book ah. so much, I checked it out twice. And I think I was the only one checking it out of the school library. But, uh, you know, so love that story. And um, uh, more cartoons. Um, the Filmation uh, DC Heroes. Uh, I remember the Batman Superman Hour was coming on. And as part of that, they had the Justice League of America. They had the Teen Titans. There was Green Lantern, the Atom, the Flash, Hawkman. I mean, I was loving all that stuff. I was just... I was so into these characters, and okay, and then of course Black the, the, and, and the Apache P chief. That, that, oh, 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 that was that was Super Friends. That was like '73. Oh. That was that was way deep into this stuff. It was it was a done deal by then. But uh, the other influence was uh, that Batman uh, TV series on ABC TV. And in fact, I think I had seen that before I even saw the filmation cartoons. And all of that led me to comics and to Star Trek and, uh, you know, greater love of uh, other types of science fiction. But, uh, but it all started, like I said, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne, Gigantor, Speed Racer. Uh, I mean, these are the things that were the foundation of, of my love of all of this stuff because it led me to be curious about other things like that and people in these outlandish costumes and these machines that enabled you to travel underwater or you know fly among the stars and all that and it was just ah, inspiring to young minds oh, mm -hmm. aren't we fortunate that we were given access to these great expanders of the imagination at such young ages i think it's great that we were able to get into this stuff and it really opens up the world it, it's even, I would go so far as to say it's a world of pure imagination, which means I can shout out the Willy Wonka movie that I also shout <laughs> out. Yeah. And all the Roald Dahl books. And my very face, first favorite movie, The Last Unicorn. Hey, have you all watched um, the most recent se uh, season of Stranger Things? Uh, yeah. what, the third season? It's a standby for me. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Every, all right. Okay. So um, I, I, mean, I actually caught up on this a couple of months ago, but uh, but it was it was like earlier this year, and I had been real slow getting to the party. So um, I got to that episode where you find out Susie is real, and when uh, when oh, yeah. he gets her when he gets her on the shortwave, and he's asking her about that equation, and her price for giving him the equation. Let me tell you something. I haven't I haven't laughed that hard like ever. And yeah. I love situations like that in these stories because you've got, you know, the giant creature from the upside down who's chasing one group of people. You know, it's like, you know, there's uh, the kid's mom and the sheriff and they're in the underground headquarters of the Russians and they got to get to that vault. And I mean, all hell is breaking loose. And this guy has got to sing the theme from the never-ending story to get the girl to give the thing up. And watching, I know, watching his friends' faces as they're, like, listening on the radio. It's just, I mean, how can you do anything but love the absolute absurdity of the situation, you know? You know, one of the things I wish more fiction today would do is embrace the fact that you know, not everything has to be grim and dark and serious. That some situations are absurd, and it's okay to laugh now and then. 
And you, you know, get back to Doom Patrol, Roberto. Bring yeah. it back. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good segue back to that. It's true. Yeah. You, you, you gotta have a balance for sure. Anyway, look, <laughs> on that note, I'm afraid we're out of time. We've been out of time for this show for a long time. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank my guests and I want to thank you too for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. And you can check out some of the TV episodes. You can get uh, episodes of the radio show. If you go to the website at fantasticforum.tv. And you can also hear Fantastic Forum, the radio show, as a podcast. If you go to the Great Geek Refuge, all the episodes are available there. And I believe we've got more people listening to us as a podcast than we've got tuning into the radio show. And, uh, of course, Fantastic Forum also airs uh, each and every Thursday, in addition to the first run, Thursday at 3 o'clock right here on WERA 96.7 FM. And if nothing else, be sure to come back next week, 4 o'clock p.m., Saturday, same bat time, same bat station. Have a great weekend. Be safe, people.